James chapter 2 this morning. James chapter 2. Interesting section of the book of James we're going to look at this morning. James chapter 2. We'll read our passage first and then we'll begin to look. And I'm going to need some uh, volunteers. Well, I'm not going to ask for volunteers. I'm going to pick you, all right? But just, just to help you. You won't have to say anything or do anything. Just stand here uh, and be an illustration, all right? James chapter 2. <clears throat> And verse 1, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also in also a poor man with vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, uh, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye, are despi- ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw before you before the judgment seats. Uh, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole of the law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that saith, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment." Uh, let's pray. Father, would you bless? Lord, as we look at your word, uh, Lord, help us. Help me as I speak, Lord, to speak those words you would have speak. And Lord, that your people might hear exactly what you need for them to hear. And Lord, would you bless and help us, Lord, in an area that can be so difficult for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about it, but the, the issue of equality, right? Now, the reality is that we, we talk about equality and we say we're all equal. And yet, there are ways in which that's really not true. There are ways in which that doesn't carry out in in truth in life. Now, America is an interesting country. You can love it or you can hate it. Uh, But it was started with a plan. Most of the nations of the world started. But America was actually started with a plan. One of the issues that they they brought uh, into their plan was uh, they wanted all men... They recognized the fact that all men were created equal and all men had equal rights in their land. Of course, then they caught up and get caught up in slavery. And Abraham Lincoln had to remind them that the basis uh, of the nation that they had set up all those years ago was that all men are created equal, that all men are equal. And a man called Martin Luther <coughs> uh, spoke to over a quarter of a million people and he said he had a dream. And the dream was this, that his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. All right, so what happened was, something that was founded with the idea of equality uh, ended up rapidly descending into something that was anything um, but equal. And they still deal with some of the residue uh, of that today. But they're not the only ones that deal with this issue of equality. We deal with it. And, and we deal with it in the church. And, and it's, it's, it, it, it's a multifaceted thing. You see, the, the reality is we all have prejudices. And typically, here's where our prejudices go. Somebody else we don't like because they're different from me. 
Now, they can be poor, they can be of a different skin color, they can be of a different ethnicity, they can be uh, of a different level of intelligence, but we don't like them because they're different from us. And we need to kind of work our way through that and kind of see where we stand. Because if we just say, well, everybody's equal, then <clears throat> you know what? Uh, yes, it's true. And no, it's not true. Um, biblically, uh, the, the basis of, of our equality is this. Uh, it says, all people are created equal in God's image. That's Genesis 1, 26 through 27. When it comes to the way we're created, we're created in God's image and we're all equal. It doesn't matter uh, our intelligence, our money, our skin color, our... <clears throat> None of it matters. We're all created in God's image. All men are also loved by God. Which means that, you know, when Jesus, when the word says, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He meant all, he meant everybody. Now, that's pretty far-reaching because that means saved and unsaved alike. That all men are loved by God. And number three there, all are stained and tainted by sin. Everybody, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nobody in the world that hasn't actually sinned. Uh, there's nobody in the world that hasn't come to the place where they, um, uh, where they sinned against God. And then all are able to be redeemed. What that means is that God wants everybody to be redeemed. And that's kind of hard for us because we know everybody's not redeemed and everybody won't be redeemed. But God wants them redeemed. And all are able to be redeemed. Every human being on this planet can become born again and come to the place where they are his child and they, and they live for him and they walk with him. But we're faced with, with this issue of prejudice and the issue of prejudice is based upon the fact, well, we know all that. But there are a whole bunch of other issues that come into play for us uh, when we begin to look. And I want to illustrate. I want, I, want, I want to pick three of you to help me illustrate it, right? Michael, would you come? You're, you're, you're near the front, right? And um, Daniel, if you would come as well. And... Damien, will you come as well? Now, you don't have to say anything. You just have to come. I'm going to use you. I'm going to, I'm going to point out different things, all right? I'm just going to use you as faces to actually help people understand some things, all right? So you come. All right, so, Michael, if you stand there, and if you stand there, Damien, and Daniel, if you stand there, right? Okay, now, here, here we have our three guys. I'm going to break, break them up into three, three different characters. I'm going to try and work out for you how, the, how some of our pre prejudices work out in, in some of the areas, right? So, we'll say Daniel is unemployed, right? Now, he's not. Uh, he wouldn't know how to be unemployed, but we'll say he's unemployed. That's, that, that's why I chose him. Now, we'll say Damien uh, is a working man, right? <laughs> and Michael over here, he's a factory owner. Right? He owns a factory. He drives a Rolls Royce. You like that part of my life? <laughs> he drives a Rolls Royce. He has all of those things uh, going, on, going for him in his life. Now, just for, for, for the help of our illustration, all three guys live on the same street, right? Now, these two guys live next door to each other in the same kind of house. Michael, of course, lives further down the street. He lives on the sunny side of the street in a mansion, right? He's got, he's got his mansion going on, right? Now, 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 let me tell you some things about each of these guys. Now, these guys don't resemble anybody you or I know. They're a conglomeration of all the people I've ever known uh, in my life, right? Uh, we'll say here that Daniel, uh, he's never worked a day in his life. Well, no, that's not true. He actually had a job for three weeks working in Michael's factory, but he hated it. 
And he went to the doctor one Monday morning, and he told the doctor he was depressed, which was true. He was depressed because he hated working, right? And the doctor gave him a sick note, and he was out for three weeks, and eventually he got fired, and it was the happiest day of his life. He didn't have to go back to work anymore. He was fired. He was free. He could do what he liked from now on, and he's, he, he's fired. Now, he, he lives in the house uh, beside Damien's house, but he's on welfare. So the government paid for his house, and the government gave him a check, and the government gave him a medical card, and they gave him a fuel allowance, and they gave him all these things. So you know what? He, he's, he's, he's living not well, but he's, he's okay, right? Now, <clears throat> Damien works his guts out. He used to work in the building industry, but the building industry went, went bad. And um, <laughs> close to the bone for, for Damien, right? Uh, the building industry went bad, and he's out of a job there. But he, but he ended up getting a job in Michael's factory. Right, now, he doesn't like the work there. He hates the work there. But he'd much prefer to be working in Michael's factory than be sitting around the house eating the kitchen table because he's, he, was, he, he can't handle not working at all. Now, Michael, on the other hand, his father started this factory... And he was, he was born into it. You know, he just, he just landed on his feet when it came to it. He, was, he, he, he landed into it. Uh, he, now, he works at the factory. Uh, he, you know, he runs it and does the, jo- does, does the job. But you know what? He got it handy, right? Now, let me tell you how this goes, right? Um, Daniel hates both these guys, right? <laughs> he hates Michael because he's filthy rich. And Daniel's not. <laughs> He hates Damien because Damien makes him feel bad because he works every hour of the day. And Daniel's wife is always saying, why can't you be like Damien? <laughs> so he hates... <laughs> you're, you're quiet illustration, all right? <laughs> okay. and, and you see, so he's, he, he doesn't like either of these guys. And besides that, Damien hates him too. And he won't even say hello to him across the garden fence as they go up. Right? Now, Damien... Hates Michael because, you know, <clears throat> Michael's got all this money and he, and he was born into it. He's got this Rolls Royce and everything else. And you know what? <clears throat> uh, he is um, it's just not fair. And he has to work all these hours for him to make a living. And he doesn't even like doing the work, so he hates him. And he particularly hates Daniel because Daniel draws welfare. And you know what? Damien works hard for his money. And every time he gets his paycheck, 40% of it's gone. <clears throat> and as far as he's concerned, it all was given to Daniel. <laughs> so he, <laughs> so he, hates, he hates Daniel, right? And um, now, Michael looks at them both, and he looks at Daniel, and he says, well, your man there, he's taking all the money. Daniel's tax bill every year is nearly half a million. When he takes the corporate tax and his personal tax and all the PRSI and everything else. And, he, and Daniel, uh, he reckons, is just taking all that money. And, <clears throat> I mean, Damien's working for him, and Damien couldn't care less for him, but he feels he has to go and find the find the, the, the bail for the wages every week, and, you know, it's just murder for him, right? So now, what we've got is, we've got three different characters, and we're just talking about the financial area of life, and they're looking at each other, and they're prejudiced against each other for one reason or another. That, and that's the way it works in real life. And, you know, we fall somewhere into that, and we can very easily be in the place where we're prejudiced, right? Now, listen, are, all three, are these three guys equal in God's eyes? By the way, they're all saved. We'll talk about that in a second. They're all saved, right? Are they all three equal in God's eyes? They are. They're all equal in God's eyes. Uh, since they're, they're saved, in fact, God doesn't see Michael, and he doesn't see Damien, and he doesn't see Daniel. He sees Jesus. Amen. He sees his son. So they're all equal in God's eyes. Now, are they equal in life? No. Not at all. Right? Now, 
Let's ask you a question right, Daniel. Sorry about this, right? Should Daniel be equal to Damien in his standard of living? No, he doesn't work, he won't work. Right? So he should not be equal. He kind of is. Now, in all honesty, that's not Daniel's fault. That's actually our welfare system's fault. Right? Uh, I mean, if you, put, if you put that out there, uh, the sin nature will always go the easy route. And, you know, that, that's just the reality. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel doesn't realize that he thinks he's making gravy. Uh, but the, the reality is he's actually a victim. He's caught in a trap. Right? Now, uh, Damien's working a job, and he's a good worker, and he's earning money, but, but he's not happy with that either. But, uh, you know, he's making a living. He's able to put bread on the table. But part of the discomfort for him is this guy who doesn't work is doing as well as him. Right? So, so he's got a problem. He's got an, he, he's got an issue there. And got, Mike has got a whole other set of issues, feeling like so much weight and responsibility rests on his shoulders. So what we've got is we've got three different characters financially who've got all three... Who, who are living three different kind of lives based upon the fact that in one sense they're not equal. In God's eyes, they are equal. In our eyes, we know the reality of, of, their, of their living is not equal. Now, we can complicate the story a whole lot. Right? We really can. Now, there are issues in each one of their lives. Right? Because what God is looking for is God is looking for faith from every one of us. Right? And so he's got issues built into everybody's life that, you know what, everybody doesn't know about. They don't know about each other's issues in their lives, right? Let's, uh, let's talk about, da- Daniel has uh, a child with Down syndrome that is the grief of his heart. He loves her dearly, but she's the grief of his heart because he knows one day he's not going to be able to look after her anymore. You know, <clears throat> and he's paying an insurance policy so that she gets some money at the end of his days because he knows no, he would do anything for this child. Uh, but th- th- there's, a, there's a deep problem in his life. And you know what? Though he's saved and never goes to church, he got saved in a holiday Bible club when he was seven, but he's never been to church since then. Nobody took him to church. And he's, you know, he has a religion. His religion is that he stays in bed every Sunday because it's a day of rest. He knows that's what the Bible says, right? Uh, and, uh, but what draws him to prayer is this little girl because he's deeply burdened for her. Right? And he cries. So he's, so he's got a burden in his life. Now, these two guys don't recognize his burden. Uh, but, but he's got a burden. Now, <clears throat> Damien had some bad things happen in his childhood that, that he never told anybody about in the dog his life that are just there all the time. It makes him angry. He's not a nice character to be around very often. Now, he's a believer. He goes to church with his wife every Sunday morning, but he goes for her sake, and you know he's not really all that interested uh, in, in what goes on. Uh, but he's, he's got this deep burden inside that, that nobody knows about. Now, Michael's got another burden. He's got a, he's got a wife who's got, a, uh, got, a, got an issue, got a problem, and nobody knows about it, but she's got a, got a mental illness, and from time to time she flips, and she's actually, he's actually ended up in the hospital a couple of times uh, where she's actually taken a knife to, in the situation. Now, he's got, now, nobody knows about that problem. Now, each one of these guys, they're not equal financially. They're equal in the sight of God, but when it comes to rewards in heaven, are they equal? I don't know. And neither do you. Right? But we do know this. God is working in each of their lives. And I think this. I think that God is working in everybody's life. Everybody. everybody. God has his finger on a soft spot in everybody's life. And you look at it and you, you, you look at somebody else's life. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you can't see it. But he's got his finger, uh, a finger on, in everybody's life. He's got something in your life that he's put... To you, it's ultimate pain. 
and God knows it. Nobody else really notices. Nelson, guys, you can sit down. Thank you. you you've been great. Right? <laughs> now, here's where we are then as people. We look at these three guys. We don't know what's going on in their lives. But we instantly get a prejudice against or for sometimes one or the other. And we look at somebody. And that's what James is dealing with. Do you realize that our prejudices in the church can do huge damage? Because here's what we do. We have an affinity with the people we're like. Now, if you're a hard, <clears throat> a hard worker this morning, without even thinking about it, you, you have an affinity with Damien. Right? Uh, if you are wealthy or aspiring to be wealthy, without even thinking about it, you have a kind of an affinity with Michael. Now, you may be a bit jealous because he's there and you're not, but you still have a kind of an affinity with him. If you're on welfare, you're going to have an affinity with Daniel uh, in that situation. And what happens is, everybody, we want everybody to be the same uh, as us. They're the ones that are okay. The rest of the people are all out of kilter. Now, when you look at a church, what you've got is you've got a multitude of areas for differences to arise. Not just in the three areas that we looked at. There. You've got a multitude of areas. And here's what God is saying. God is saying, listen, my child, my child, and I see my son in them, and I love them. And I want you to love them too. And that's hard for us. But we've got to really kind of uh, take our minds and... <coughs> And, and think differently on the situation, right? Let's go through our, our verses. It's a clear command, don't show favoritism. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. You're not to look at people based upon their outward circumstances, good, bad, or indifferent, and judge them on those and decide whether you're going to like them on that basis or not. Uh, that is not <clears throat> uh, what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to look deeper. We don't have the same culture. We don't have the same language. We don't have the same level of IQ. Uh, we don't have the same economic conditions. We don't have the same abilities. We don't have the same uh, opportunities. There are vast differences uh, amongst people. And we need to recognize that. You know, there are differences, but everyone in this room is a child of God. God's dealing with them. And he's a good father. He knows how to deal with them. You don't. You don't even know what he's doing. Some of the stuff that goes on in people's lives, they would never tell you about, not in a fit. But God is dealing with them. God is working. They're different from you. They don't see it the way you do. But <clears throat> you know what? They're, they're, they're very different uh, from you. And, <clears throat> and that's reality. Now, the early church had it too. You had Jews, you had Gentiles. Uh, and the Jews were not happy. I mean, all these Gentiles got saved and... Now they're as good as us. That's, that's not on. So there was, there, was, there was trouble in the early church because you had Jews and you had Gentiles, you had rich and you had poor, you had slave and you had free, you had circumcised and you had uncircumcised, you had male and you had female, you had young and old, uh, you had vegetarians and meat eaters, you had Sabbath keepers and non-Sabbath keepers. You know, <clears throat> it hasn't gotten any better in the last 2,000 years either. What you've got in the church is you've got all kinds of differences. And God says, I do not want you to treat each other different based on the fact that you're different. You see, here's the reality. We have something in common that overrides all the differences. We have Jesus. We have the Son of God that overrides all the differences. And just in the sense that God sees his Son in all of us, that's what we're supposed to see too, first and foremost. We're supposed to understand <clears throat> that just because somebody is different to me, does not make them less. Now, now, if you look at this, this room, right, 
we have, without even mentioning the nations, you, you, you have from all the different continents, you have European, uh, we have Asian, we have Australian, I don't know if we have anybody from American here this morning, um, but, uh, you know, we have all the continents of the world represented. And you know what? The reality is we're very, very different in the way we look at things and in the way we see things. Very different. And God says, listen, he wants us to understand, you know what? I don't want you looking down on somebody else because they're different to you. He doesn't want you looking down on people because they're different. Now, he gives us <clears throat> um, <clears throat> a shocking example, right? Uh, an example of prejudice. James 2, verse 2. For if there come into your assembly a man with gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Do you ever do that? Do you ever judge somebody based upon their appearance? Negatively or positively? You, know, you look at somebody and you say, man, that, that, that person's got, um, hasn't got much going for them. Look, look at the state of them. Or you look at somebody and um, <clears throat> they look like they're well-to-do and well-dressed and you think, well, they, they've got something. And you treat them differently based upon it. That's the problem. You treat them differently based upon it. Uh, that's wrong. That is wrong. Do you know, this is not our church. In one sense it is, but in another sense it's not. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whoever he brings through the doors is fine. Whoever he brings through the doors, and he will bring a lot of different people through the doors, that's fine, and we're supposed to recognize, you know what? This is his job. He's doing his job. He's bringing, and we're not supposed to treat them differently. Right? Now, not based on, the, uh, <clears throat> on their money, not based on their color, not based upon uh, their, <clears throat> their, their social standing. Not we're, not, we're not supposed to treat them differently uh, based on any of those things. Now, you see, the law of Christianity is that you have love one to another. We're supposed to love, and we can only love effectively when we get over the differences between us. If we let the differences be the important thing, we're not going to be able to love each other. We're not going to be able to care for each other. We're not going to be able to be the church he wants us to be. And understand, the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church. He is doing it. Right? It's not a future thing. Uh, he is doing, he is building his church. But he's the one that actually draws people into the church. Now, here's the thing. If we want God to draw people into the church, don't you think the Holy Spirit's kind of aware how we would treat people when they come in? Don't you think <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit understands what, what our hearts might be like towards people? And one of the things, one of the criteria, I am sure that the Holy Spirit uses is how are people going to be treated when they get brought there? I think another one is that they're going to hear the gospel. But he's, going to, he, he's concerned about how people are treated uh, <clears throat> when they come here. So we are not supposed to treat people differently based upon where they come from, based upon what they look like, based upon their economic status, based upon their social status. We're in a, uh, our faith in Christ is supposed to arise above all the things that divide us. Because somebody is different does not make them less. And when we looked at our three guys here, you know, that's really what we came to. Each one thought the other was less for some reason. We can do that very easily. We can actually think other people are less 
You can have your group within the church and everybody outside that group is less. For, for whatever reason. I mean, you say, how could Michael be less? He had all, the, all, all this money and the Rolls Royce and everything else. You know what? If you put somebody on the outside rim because they don't fit in your group, what you've done is you've made them less. Now, that's a problem. We'll see the problem here in the next <clears throat> point. The problem of prejudice. Uh, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Now, uh, let, let's catch this for a second. The poor of this world rich in faith. Are the poor always rich in faith? Okay. Now, here's the deal. You've got to understand what poor means. Poor, in this sense, means you have nothing. You don't know where your dinner is coming from today. You don't have a house to sleep in. You don't have anything. You have nothing. You are completely poverty-stricken. Uh, you are out with your begging bowl. Do you know anybody like that? Probably not in this country. Probably what you, the, the people you know, listen, they may not have all they'd like to have, uh, but, but they're not that poor. We don't know poor like that, but if you are poor like that, do you think it would make you rich in faith? If you had absolutely nothing and no one to take care of you, do you think it would make you rich in faith? I think it would have a huge part of it. Now, it wouldn't necessarily be so, but it would have a huge part in making you rich in faith. So we need to understand that, you know, this kind of poverty is not like on a scale, you know, where you only have kind of <clears throat> 10 grand a year. No, no, this kind of poverty is you have zero per year, uh, except what somebody gives you by the side of the street. That's the kind of faith that puts you in the place where you are dependent upon God and will make you rich in faith and could be a great blessing uh, in your life, right? Okay, that's the first point. The second point is where we meet in the church is on the basis of this thing called faith, trust, dependence in God. When God looks on LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, he doesn't see our clothing. Right? He, he, he doesn't see, you know, <clears throat> the fact that we do all these things. He, he, there's, there's a lot of things he doesn't see. But you know what he does see? He sees your faith and my faith. And he's actively working in our lives to produce faith. He's actively working in our lives to actually produce this faith. And that's the basis of where we meet. We meet on the basis of faith. We're supposed to be a people of faith. We're supposed to be a people that trust in God, that walk with God. And we're supposed to actually relate to each other on that basis as well, where faith uh, is the issue. Now, <clears throat> so, so which means somebody walks in the door and they're from <clears throat> Africa. We don't know where their faith is. Somebody walks in the, uh, in the door and they st just stepped out of their Rolls Royce out there and they're dressed very well and they've got a lot of money in their pocket. We don't know where their faith is. Somebody walks in the door and they're handicapped. We don't know where their faith is. We don't know how much faith they've got. And you see, what God is saying is that's what counts. What counts is their faith. What counts is the fact that they're really putting their trust in me. What counts is the fact that they're depending upon me. And remember, God's, because God's actively working, you might say this, you might say that he, that he, he harvests faith. That's, that's the product of what he's doing in our lives. It's, it's, it's the idea we have faith, we have trust in him, we, have, we depend upon him. But, but that's the issue with God, right? <clears throat> so the problem with prejudice is it sees all the wrong things. And it doesn't see the main thing. It doesn't see the issue that's important. And so what you can so easily end up with is you can end up with a hierarchy uh, in the church that's based upon nothing that God is interested in at all. 
God, because God is interested in uh, us being a people of faith. And he's interested in this being a place that nurtures faith, that nurtures dependence upon him. He's interested in this being a place that you can come with your brokenness and with your problems and with your issues and with your difficulties and get helped. Yeah, from the pulpit, you know, where you actually get help to trust him and depend upon him, but from each other. We have a people that don't look on you with a critical eye, but they look on you with an eye of wanting to encourage you. Isn't that what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10? Uh, that we are to encourage each other, that we are to exhort each other, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But, <clears throat> but it's not about how we look, it's about faith. It's about us walking with God and depending upon him. You see, that's the issue for the church. So <clears throat> what we need, where we need to be is we need to be in a place where what we see ourselves are. We see, see ourselves as a place that are pointing each other and anybody that comes through the door to him. And that's what we value. And when somebody's failing in that area, we, we try and help them. We try and encourage them. We try and be a blessing to them. <clears throat> but what we do is we actually seek to help and to encourage people rather than to just uh, let faith be something that, 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 that's not the, not the real issue um, <clears throat> in our church. Now, last verse here. James 2.7 says, do they, not, do, do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? Sorry, it's not the last verse. <clears throat> so we need to be careful that what we're not doing is blaspheming his worthy name because we're recognizing the wrong thing in people. What we're doing is we're looking at people and we're, we're looking at face value things and we're actually judging people fa based on that faith, face value. Uh, now, what does prejudice do? Prejudice denies kingdom principles. What are the principles of the kingdom? <clears throat> um, we, we read it there, the, the idea that the, the, the poor, rich in faith. We need to be looking for rich in faith, uh, not uh, at people's financial standing. Uh, <clears throat> then we need to overcome prejudice with love and mercy. James 2.8 says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. Now he says, let me read you some of the other verses that are in there. Right? <clears throat> um, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole of the law and offend in one point, is guilty. he is guilty of all. You know, I never caught that verse as relating to this issue, although it's right in there. But what he's saying there is, you know, listen, if you treat people with favoritism, if you pay respect to people based upon who they are and what they are, if you have prejudice towards people, what you're doing is you're breaking the law. Now, what law are you breaking? You're breaking the law of love. Because God wants you to love people. He wants you to be able to love people. He wants you to stop with the blinkers looking at people from your specific little prejudiced area. And he wants you to look at them and he wants you to love them as he loves them. He wants you to love people uh, <clears throat> and see people in the way he sees them. Sees them. Look at James 2.13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. You know, it's very easy for you and I to be prejudiced. And here's what we do when we're prejudiced. Like we say about Michael, he's filthy rich. 
He shouldn't have all that money. It's not fair. Uh, it's not right. You know, <clears throat> that should be taken off him and given to somebody else. That's communism, by the way, and it's wrong. It really is wrong and not helpful, right? We, we, we can say about Damien, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> he, he's just a guy that likes to work hard and, and do all that stuff. But, you know, really, he's an angry man and he's got problems and issues and we can judge him. We can look at Daniel and we can judge Daniel and say, well, you know, he's a freeloader and all the rest of it. We can look at all those people and we can judge them all from those situations. But you know what? We're missing it if we do. We're supposed to look at them with mercy. Right? And what the verse is saying is that when we have judgment without mercy, then we're not going to have mercy. In unless, and I don't know about you, but I need mercy, don't you? I need mercy. I'm not necessarily a mercy person. That wouldn't be my gift, but I need mercy in my life. And God says, you know, we're supposed to show mercy. We're supposed to show mercy. And... Uh, and then, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So, <clears throat> what that means is that mercy overcomes judgment. So that instead of you and I looking at each other and judging each other, because you're this and you're that and you're the other, what we do is we look at each other and we overcome judgment with mercy. You know what? <clears throat> Everybody in this room has problems. Everybody in this room has difficulties in their life. Everybody. Right? And you don't know about them necessarily. I don't know about them necessarily. But we do know that God's working in everybody's life. We do know that there are difficulties. We do know that there are problems. And sometimes, just sometimes, I probably get to hear more of them than, <clears throat> than, than you do because I'm the pastor. Just sometimes, people's difficulties and burdens actually become apparent. You know, Mary had to go home for her mom's funeral. Her mom got murdered, murdered uh, in Kenya. That's, I don't know how I could bear that load. That's a terrible load to bear, isn't it? That is a dreadful load. Now, some of you didn't know about that. Right? Some of you weren't, weren't aware of that. And that, that's one of those dramatic things that kind of comes out. But there are all kinds of things going on in people's lives that you really don't know about. And you know what? Instead of you looking at them and judging them, you need to look at them and have mercy. Because isn't that what you expect from God? Isn't that what you want from God? You know, typically you don't come to God and you don't say to God, you know, listen, I got this problem, this issue in my life, and you better fix it, God, because I'm telling you what, it's your problem. You know, if you're honest about your problem, when you come to God with your problem, you say, and you know, Lord, part of the problem is my fault. At least part. Sometimes the whole problem is my fault. But Lord, would you give me mercy anyway? And you know what he does? He gives you mercy, doesn't he? Does, doesn't he give you mercy? He gives you mercy when you wouldn't give mercy. But he's, he's merciful. Hey, listen. <clears throat> we thrive in an atmosphere of mercy. We don't thrive in an atmosphere of judgment. We don't thrive in an atmosphere when we're pointing the finger at each other and finding fault and flaw with each other for whatever reason. And we can do it for a whole host of reasons. You know, <clears throat> I used to, used to look at the situation in America and think America's a very, uh, very prejudiced uh, against the black Africans in America. And then I got to know some of the black Africans and I found out that, listen, you know what? Yes, the Americans are very prejudiced against the black Africans, but the black Africans are very prejudiced against the Americans too. And everybody's looking at each other and they're actually kind of judging each other. But in the church, it's not supposed to be like that. Mercy 
uh, is supposed to rejoice against judgment. It's supposed to overcome. Now, where does it start? Okay, let's have a law. The law of mercy. That's not going to work, is it? How, where, where's mercy going to start? Mercy's going to start in your heart and in my heart. Where, where we stop looking at people and judging them by what's going on on the outside. But what we do is we allow God's work in this heart and we show mercy. And what we find is we find, you know what? It's a lot easier to bear people when you look, look at it like that. Even the people that have hurt you in your life. Why do they hurt you? Wait, you know what? Probably nobody had a life goal of hurting you. That's possible, but very unlikely. What they did was they hurt you because of problems and difficulties in their own lives. Usually, people hurt us and we're just collateral damage. And you say, well, that is so annoying. I know. But how many people have been hurt by you in collateral damage? Some you don't even know about. Some got hurt along the way. Just, you didn't even know it. How do you think we could look at people, even the people that hurt us, and have mercy? I think we could. I think we could make this church a sweeter place. I think you could make your home a sweeter place. I think we could be sweeter people if we would learn not to judge people by what we can see alone, but to understand there's much more to the picture that we don't know, and to let mercy rejoice against judgment. I think you'd be a happier person. I think your home would be a sweeter place, and I think this church would be a sweeter place, and I think it would be a place where God can bring people in. Now, let me, let me say this. Wrong is wrong, and we never accept wrong as being, being right. What I'm talking about is when we look at each other with that judgmental eye. Then instead of being judgment, judgmental towards each other, we look at each other with mercy. That we don't show favoritism. That we look at each other with mercy. And we look at each other with God's eyes. And what a blessing we could be to each other and to ourselves. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for our people that have come to hear your word and to draw nigh to you. And our blessed spirit of the living God, we do ask you to take the message and to deliver it to hearts, Lord, as it is needed. And, Lord, touch each one in the place where they need to be touched. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you make our church a sweet place? Would you make our church a place, Lord, where we don't see the differences, but we see the, the sun? Uh, where we don't see all the things that are not what we want them to be, but where we see you and what you're doing in people's lives. And may this be a sweet place, uh, a place that knows blessing and a place that knows your hand. Lord, we're looking to you and depending upon you in Jesus' precious name.